Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> And welcome to Sawbones, Marital Tour of Misguided Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney Ooh, McElroy. I no, the way I said don't, that. Don't do that anymore. It sounded like I was throwing up my own name. Don't do that. It sounded like you were mumbling. Or maybe mumpsling. I was, I, you know, I was going to go there with mumbling, and then you took it a step further. Mumpsling. No. I, uh, I was very curious... As to where we're going to talk about mumps this week. I guess we're just launching right into it. I am. There it is. Uh, and I was very curious as to where the name mumps came from. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to find an answer to that. And the best answer I found, this was actually my clever transition, but then you said mumpsaline, is mumble lumps. Mumble lumps. <laughs> That's fun to say. Mumble lumps. Is that... It because it caused big lumps in your cheeks that made you mumble. People mm-hmm. called it mumps. No. I don't know that that is true, but that was the best guess, a, hypothesis, a portmanteau, or as Charlie says, a porkmanteau of mumbling and lumps, mm-hmm. mumps, mumble lumps, mumps. Yeah. Got it. Uh, but I wanted us to talk about mumps this week, Justin. We've talked about measles before, which is the more, I, I'd say, like the more interesting topical thing in medicine right now measles right yeah because we've got an outbreak in washington is that right Mm -hmm. and there are other places i I believe it was i actually think there was one in new york before the one in washington which has made all the press recently but Mm -hmm. um many states are seeing a rise in measles because of lack of vaccination Mm -hmm. largely there's also there's also concern that and and this is this is fair there is waning immunity as we get older so we are seeing measles cases in people who have gotten vaccines. Most of them, in case anybody's interested, most of them are in uh, kids who have only gotten one vaccine because you're not. That's why we get boosters, right? That's why the vaccine schedule has there's a logic behind it. Sometimes you get one and then you get another dose of it later. And it's because you need to boost the immunity and make sure that mm-hmm. you're completely protected and your numbers of people who are immune go up with each booster. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of the patients have only gotten one measles vaccine Mm -hmm. and so they just haven't got they're not old enough to have gotten the second one yet Mm -hmm. they're not behind they're just not old enough but we are seeing like people who were fully vaccinated much much later down the road maybe getting measles and so there's some concern that maybe we need another booster as we get older Mm. um sign me up i'll take all the vaccines you can give me uh, well me too i mean i would happily do that but the, the the problem with all this of course is like if we were all vaccinated this really wouldn't be an issue now would it um But we've done a whole episode on measles. If you're interested, that you can check that one out. 
But if you get vaccinated against measles, you also probably get vaccinated against mumps and rubella at the same time because of the MMR, the vaccine that most of us, at least in the U.S., get. Nobody's getting like independent measles, mumps, rubella vaccines for the most Mm -hmm. part. So I thought it would be good to talk about mumps as a reminder of all the things that this wonderful vaccine can protect you against. Also, our uh, it's also I think fresh in our mind because both our kids just got or not this one, but mm-hmm. Charlie got a booster. Is that right? They both got MMRs yesterday. Yes, Charlie needed her booster because she is four, and Cooper got her first one because she is one. Can you talk I, before I want to get into the topic, but real quick, um, can you talk about what that nurse told you? Because I thought that might be a, a good PSA for everybody. Which about which parents part? not um, assisting in that. Yeah, so both both of our kids got their vaccines yesterday. Our oldest, Charlie, is four, and between four and six, you get what a lot of people think of as the kindergarten vaccines, the ones you get before you start kindergarten. She's not starting kindergarten, but she was due. So she actually had to get four, and then our youngest, Cooper, is one, so she had to get five, which is no fun. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that because I know they're safe and effective and important, it's easy for me to see my kids get shots. It's hard. And they both cried and they hurt. We we know they don't hurt as much as kids think they do, but they do hurt. Um, and the nurse asked if I was going to be in the room. And I said, well, I'm, I'll help you. We don't need it because she said, do I need to get somebody else in to hold her while I give the shots? And I said, no, 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 I'll hold her. I want to be here. And she said, well, a lot of parents don't. And I said, why? And they, she said, well, they either hide in the corner or they leave the room because they don't want to be associated with it or they don't want to see the kids cry or whatever. And I said, I'd rather, and this is my personal preference, this isn't judgment, but it is something I would say, think about if you have kids or if you're thinking of having kids or whatever, think about, I want our kids to know that I'm part of this decision, Mm -hmm. that Justin and I decided that they need these vaccines because we know the evidence says they will be much safer and less likely to get horrible diseases or die if they get them. And it's a hard thing. But it's important for them. And we do a lot of stuff our kids don't like mm-hmm. because it's the right thing for them. And mm-hmm. so I want to be there part of it. I'm holding them. I'm comforting them. I'm telling them it's going to be OK. I'm hugging them when it's over. I'm drying their tears. But I'm also helping the nurse make this happen. Right. Because I know it's the right thing for them. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. But it's the right. So often the right thing is a hard thing. So. So let's talk about. Mumbalumps. Mumbalumps. I don't know if that's where it comes from, but I hope so. I'm going to go with that. I hope so. And thank you, Rory and Charlie and Greg and Chloe and Anthony for suggesting this topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mumps is a viral illness. It's a virus that spreads. It's caused by a paramyxovirus, in case you're interested in what kind of virus. People want to know that kind of thing. Um, You, After you get exposed, there's an incubation period from 16 to 18 days and then uh, as much as 25 days. So you can you can be exposed to it and not know you have it quite yet for quite a while. Now, people tend to think about when they think about mumps, I think everybody pictures like the the kid with the bandage around their face, like mm-hmm. the thing, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the bandage tied around and the big cheeks like uh, 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 looking like Jacob Marley. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Jacob. Marley. I, why does he have that? It corpses. Oh, so their mouths didn't hang open. You know, I, I should have known that. You, I'm impressed. Pulled it completely out of my butt, but I bet it's true. It sounds true. It's dark, if that <laughs> sounds true. Uh, it feels true when I say it, and that's the most important thing, right, Sid? 
That is the most important thing. The most important no. thing is that it feels true to me when I say it. Uh, rarely right, but always certain. That's me. That's go. my family motto. Uh, mumps is is best known for that. So the the parotid glands, which are salivary glands, are in your kind of at the angle of your jaw in your cheeks, but like further back, not right in the meaty part, but further back, closer to your ear. Uh, those get swollen when you have mumps, right? They get mm-hmm. inflamed and swollen, and so you get those big chipmunk cheeks, mm-hmm. and that's what I think most people think of when they think of mumps. Um, you can get fever and headache and muscle aches and you feel tired and achy and lousy, you know. Yeah. Um, now, some people who get mumps don't get very sick, right? They get maybe they get a little bit of swelling, maybe just some of the symptoms, but they don't feel that bad. They get like a mild case. Um, most people recover completely in a few weeks with no complications. So for most people, it's a pretty benign, annoying, but benign thing to get. Um now, the problem is with mumps that, one, it can be spread pretty easily through infected either like spit, saliva, or through like respiratory droplets. So by coughing, sneezing, stuff that sprays out of you, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that can spread it. Sharing food or drink. And then if like you cough or sneeze and it gets all over a table and then somebody touches the table, you can spread it that way. So these are not hard. It's not a hard thing to spread. And this is important because something that spreads pretty easily even if the complications are rare, if enough people get it, somebody's going to get the complications, right? right? Statistically, you know, if you right. if you give it to enough people, people are going to get complications. So while these are rare, you can also get inflammation of the testicles. And inflammation of the testicles in some cases can lead to fertility problems down the road. Not often, but it is possible. I, I'm very frustrated with you and our relationship in this program that you said inflammation in the testicles and then waited and stared at me as though, well, let's see. Let's see what he has for inflammation of the <laughs> testicles. And then I'm frustrated with myself if we're passing it around that I had nothing. I opened my heart and my mouth and nothing came from the inflammation of the testicles. And I feel like that kind of low-hanging fruit, I'm, what I'm going to go with is it's not that I'm – a low hanging fruit. Hey, there you go. It's, <laughs> it's that it's beneath me now. Ah. I'm going for more high minded observations uh-huh. that uh, something a little loftier, a little more urbane than inflamed testicles. So please, my dear, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Please proceed. You know, it was interesting. I asked both my parents if they had mumps because this this is not tell something- what you did to your mom. Oh, I texted mom and said, did you ever have mumps? And my mom called and said, why? What's wrong? Do you think I do? And I said, no, no, I don't. I'm texting you. Why would I think you have mumps? No, I was just curious because my dad had told me he had mumps. And so I was curious if you ever had mumps. Uh, and she said, no, she didn't. At least she didn't remember. She said, if I did, it wasn't bad enough that I remember it. Mm-hmm. But she remembered that her brother did. My mom is one of many children. And she remember one of her brothers had it and that. The doctor told him to make sure and stay laying down mm. so that it didn't drop. What? So that it didn't drop to his testicles. That's what they, that's what, that was the reference was that if you, the thought was if you lay down, it'll stay up in your cheeks. And mm. if you stand up and she said, like, jump up and down or something, it would drop, which of course is not how no. viruses work. But I think that's a really interesting, interesting thought. I, I like, I like, this is our show. 
How else would it get? Thought. How else would how it get? How else would there? it get down there? Uh, but this can, in rare cases, lead to fertility problems. It can also cause inflammation of the ovaries. Again, these are very rare complications. But it's it's kind of like I always would tell patients: like, here is a side effect of a med that you need to know about. It's incredibly rare, but if you're the one who gets it, you don't care how rare it is. It's right. important to you, and this is why you need to be informed and know about it. Doesn't mean don't do it. It just means you need to know about it. Well. You can get inflammation of the of the ovaries, of the breasts even. You can get mastitis, inflammation of the breasts. Um, you can get severe complications like uh, inflammation of the brain, which is called encephalitis or of the spinal cord, meningitis. Again, rare, but they can happen. And then it can also uh, actually result in loss of hearing in wow. rare cases. So there, there were cases of mumps where afterwards the children had completely lost their hearing. And it doesn't come back. That's not something that resolves over time. Mm-hmm. So, again... Most people with mumps, because that's what I think I hear this argument against vaccines, specific vaccines a lot is like, well, what's the big deal? I always heard this with chicken pox. What's the big deal? You get chicken pox. What's the big deal? And people might have said that about mumps. What's the big deal? Well, for a lot of kids, probably not a big deal. But if your kid is the one who gets meningitis or loses their hearing or, you know, can becomes infertile afterwards, it's a pretty big deal. Well, it's a pretty big deal for you. And if we have a vaccine that can prevent it, isn't that worth it? When, let's go for it. Uh, so w- when we look at the history of mumps, we have known about mumps since the time of Hippocrates. And we know that because Hippocrates wrote this description of mumps that it seems like sometimes I'll stumble on something when I'm doing research that like a lot of doctors like. A lot of doctors really like to talk about this great description of mumps. That Hippocrates wrote. Yeah, it's not. It's it's really interesting because I, I heard all these people kind of like waxing poetic about like this is just a beautiful description, like like the Lovely. perfect format. Like we should all follow, you know, so that people know how to document things appropriately in the medical record. Like show it to all your medical students. Um, but in in four ten B C he B C E he wrote about swellings appeared about the ears in many on either side and in the greatest number on both sides. They were of a lax, large, diffused character, without inflammation or pain, and they went away without any critical sign. So That's good. There you go. That's, so that that's smokes, very good. Apparent that's Yes. I mean, I yes, I would be impressed. I will say that if a medical student handed this in to me, I would say, whoa. You would nice. think they were a weirdo. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would. Uh, That's how weird I wouldn't. Talk. I wouldn't think you that. You would. I would be delighted and impressed. Okay. Well, I don't think. You would how ask well them to do stop you wa- know me? You would ask them to stop wearing a toga to, to work, though. <laughs> well, I would say that is not appropriate dress. Yes. For... That's also like the toga. There's so much fabric. Like, sure. Same problem as a white coat, right? It's just Huge. a fomite, yeah. just something else you can get germs on. Let's yeah. just let's ditch the white coats and togas, please. Yeah. Anyway, so we've known about this for a long time, but we didn't. Like I said, we didn't really know what to do about it. That's true for a lot of viruses. We tried a lot of stuff. Nothing really worked. People got better. Or everything. We worked. congratulated ourselves. We congratulated ourselves. <laughs> we bled people. They got better. We thought it was because of the fact that we bled them. Um, but in most cases, since it was benign for many, many patients, it wasn't considered a big deal other than the the few that would get these these other complications. Uh, but like a lot of viruses, we eventually figured out that the best the best plan is not to try to treat it after it happened but to prevent it before it could. Oh, that's a great idea. 
Yeah. So I want to talk about the development of the vaccine. Oh, okay. But before we do that. Oh, Sydney. Let's go to the billing department. You would deny me this. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com sawbones50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off that's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar i don't think i was going squarespace to... what is it it's a tool think of it as the palette the palette of a web design artist but you don't have to be a web design artist you could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel the metaphor is broken down basically you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, Use offer code SAWBONES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Greetings. I am Plek Dexsetter, contacting you from the Zik Squadron, which is frankly uh, sort of crappy, but I'm, I'm here on a heroic mission with my trusty crew, C-53. <laughs> heroic feels like an exaggeration. Okay, part. sure. And, and uh, Security Officer Dar. Plek, don't put me in your stupid recording. Well, and we're all traveling aboard our trusty starship, the Bargerian Jade. Bargy. What? Sorry. I'm awake. I'm awake. I was. It's fine. I was just flying while asleep. 
Hey there, this is Alden Ford. I play Pleck, and we are so excited to announce that our podcast, Mission to Zix, is now part of the Maximum Fun Network. Our third season launches on Max Fun on March 20th. Binge seasons one and two right now. That's Mission to Zix, Z-Y-X-X. Uh, Sid, you were going to tell me about vaccines. Okay, so the the mumps vaccine that we use today, now, it's, and usually, like I said, the vast majority of people are going to get it combined with measles and rubella. I'm sure there are some there's mumps vaccines out there somewhere independently, probably, but nobody's getting them. of the other ones. Indie mumps. Yeah, nobody's vaccines. nobody's getting those. Uh, if they exist, nobody's getting them. Uh, it was licensed in 1967. And I want to tell you about the researcher who developed it, because I don't think we've ever talked about this scientist on our show. And I I felt very silly when I started reading about him that we hadn't. Okay. Ha- I, have you ever heard the name Maurice Hilleman? I have not. So his interest when it comes to like science probably came from the fact that um, he used to work on a farm and take care of animals a lot. And and that was where his like interest in biology and science and all that kind of stuff came from. Uh, he, he grew up during the Great Depression on a farm in Montana. And uh, after that, he went to Montana State Um he eventually ended up getting his PhD in microbiology and chemistry. And this was a big, when he was growing up, his big goal was just to get a job like at the local JC Penney. He was hoping to like get off the farm and go work in a store and like be around people more. And then he ended up getting a PhD and working in a lab, which was not exactly where he thought he would end up, but he was very excited to do so because of his early interests in biology. In 1944, he joined the virus laboratories of E.R. Squibb and Sons in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and they were working on a vaccine at the time to help fight a certain kind of encephalitis. It was called Japanese bee encephalitis, and they needed it for uh, the troops in the Pacific. This would have been during World War II. Okay, that makes sense. So they needed they needed this vaccine. So I was going to say that's. Seems like an extremely, extremely specific disease to be treating. But then when you said we needed it where we mm-hmm. needed it, that makes perfect sense. Yes, it was it was a high yield for that moment in history. Um, so he he started off working on that vaccine and his interest in vaccines grew from there. Uh, so he started to kind of work on like characterizing different viruses and figuring out about like viruses changing and mutating because that that's all part of vaccines right if vaccine if a virus mutates a whole bunch that makes it harder to make a vaccine against it because it could change right right so you worked against one strain but then it mutated the best example of this problem is the influenza virus which mutates so frequently we have to remix it every year exactly so he he kind of got into the the idea of of what these shifts and drifts and I won't get into what all that means but can mean for a virus and can mean for making a vaccine against a virus and this was really helpful when there was a new strain of flu in 1957 in Hong Kong. And there was uh, there was concern because of this new strain of flu and nobody had been um, this was nobody had been like immune to it before. It was brand new that this could be a worldwide pandemic and many, many people could die as a result of this flu. And so him and the researchers that he was working with worked like around the clock, like 14 hour days to jump on top of this and make a vaccine as quickly as they could, like this mass production of a flu vaccine that probably saved hundreds of thousands of lives. I mean, it was still a a huge 
epidemic. Uh, 69,000 people died in the U.S. of this flu, but it would have been much worse had him and the other researchers not jumped on top of it and made this vaccine to protect people. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was already doing a lot of great work on vaccines before he started working for Merck. Uh, Merck is where he did the the work that probably impacts most of us today when we think about like the vaccines that he created and and what which ones we get now. Um, so he started working at Merck, and I know a lot of people are going to go Merck. They're big pharma. They're big pharma. Yeah. Yes, I am talking about Maurice Hilleman, a brilliant vaccinologist who happened to work for Merck, and that is where the vaccines were made. Yes, I understand the problems with big pharma. I am not. Don't try to tell Sydney no. about the problems of Big Pharma. Trust me, trust me. I've I have Sydney has passed up so many free sandwiches and yes. slices of pizza. You have no That's idea. That's right. I've never taken a pin or a cup or a piece of pizza from a pharmaceutical representative in my career. I I do not. I that is not the direction I go. I am just saying that he worked for Merck and he made a lot of vaccines while he was working for Merck. Uh, he developed more than forty vaccines. While he was working there, um, he worked on the measles vaccine. This was really interesting because uh, much of the work that had already been done on the measles vaccine previously was done by John Enders. And we talked about that during our our episode on on measles. Um, but the vaccine that they were using, the Enders vaccine, actually still had some side effects. And that was one of the, you know, a lot of people talk about vaccines and side effects. One of Hilleman's biggest things was trying to make vaccines that were better, like a a more elegant solution, Uh fewer side effects while still providing the protection that you need from the vaccine while still working. So Dr. Hilleman and another doctor, Dr. Stokes, started working on a way to minimize the side effects of the measles vaccine. Initially, they came out with you would get a dose of this gamma globulin shot at the same time you got the measles vaccine. And that greatly reduced the side effects. Um, But ultimately, that was not going to now you get two shots instead of one. How much is the public going to accept that? Even though the side effects were lower, people were willing to do it. But that wasn't they were trying to get more people to embrace put, the measles just, vaccine. Can they just put both of them in a bigger syringe? Well, no. OK, it's not that it's not that you're the, bo- you're, the bo- you're the doctor. I'm just a dumb dumb with a great idea, I guess. But he did. He continued to work with the Why measles not? vaccine. Why not? Well, we're also talking about. So you're talking about like antibodies that you're putting in with live attenuated so live virus that is has been like damaged in such a way that it can't make you sick and you're just going to put the antibodies the in with humidifier it. dehumidifier next <laughs> to each other what happens it's not that simple but dr hillman kept working with the vaccine he this was like a stopgap. they introduced this measure to get more people to get the vaccine because at the time there were still like 500 people in a, in america dying from measles every year so and mostly children. So this was something this was urgent. So they started with this over the next four years. He kept refining the vaccine and eventually he found a safer strain of the virus that you could use to make the vaccine that would produce way less side effects and be much safer, but still give you the protection against measles. And that is the one we actually still use today. Now, that uh, that strain that he used, it could have been named for him. And you may have heard of Hilleman. It could be called the Hilleman strain, but it's not. It's called the Moritan strain. And do you know what that stands for? What? He named it that for more attenuated enders. 
because Enders was the guy who made the original vaccine. Mm. And so he felt like he deserved the credit. Wow. I just think that was a very That's lovely, lovely story. He could have taken the credit. He didn't. His concern was getting the job done. And that was kind of like the mark of his when a lot of people talked about him um, when he passed away in 2005. A lot of researchers and scientists came out to speak because you probably haven't heard his name, even though he is responsible for like eight of the vaccines, eight of the 14 routine childhood vaccines came from Hilleman. Wow. You probably haven't heard his name because it just wasn't it wasn't his M.O. His interest was not in being famous or having a great deal of renown. His interest was in getting the job done and getting it done right. And they said that he could be a hard person to work with sometimes. He was demanding. He was he was incredibly smart and efficient. And he expected that of all of his employees. He actually kept a row of shrunken heads that one of his kids made for him for fun, but he kept a row of shrunken heads over his desk. And he said, those were all the employees he's fired <laughs> and then murdered. Well, I mean, I think it was a, I think it was just a joke. No, I get it. <laughs> good, joke. good stuff. <laughs> it's just a joke, but he was, so he, and he, he apparently used a lot of profanity. So he was kind of like a rough guy to work with, but it was because he was very exacting and demanding and really good at what he did. Uh, so, in his career, he also was responsible for the mumps vaccine and the way he made it one night, his five-year-old daughter, uh, Gerald Lynn was feeling sick, woke him up in the middle of the night and said, dad, I feel sick. I have a sore throat and I'm feeling headachy and I think I have a fever. And he looked at her and said, you look like you're getting the mumps. She had the swellings on the sides of her face and her product glands. She looked like you look like you're getting the mumps. So he was worried about her, but at the same time, he thought, hey, this is a great time capitalize on for this. me to get a sample of mumps. So he swabbed her throat, put the swab. He actually drove to the lab first to get like the collection tube and everything, mm-hmm. came back, swabbed her throat, stuck it in the in the culture broth in the medium, drove back to work to freeze it and then came back to take care of his kid. I like and to that, imagine her just sitting there in silence <laughs> through all of this. That is the strain that he started working on attenuating and or weakening. That's what attenuating means, kind of weakening the virus so that it can't make you sick, but it will produce the immune response we need. It will make your body make antibodies to it. Uh, so he used that strain to then develop the mumps vaccine. That Geraldin strain wow. is still what is used It's named for his daughter. He didn't name it for himself. He named, named it for his daughter. Um, and that was used to go into the, the, what would become the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, which was licensed in 71. Um, the rubella component was changed again in 79, but then that's pretty much been the same since then. Um, and it's funny because you can find a great, there's a great picture associated with all this of his of Gerald Lynn's little sister getting her mumps vaccine Mm -hmm. and she's kind of like squirming away from it and like a kid would do getting a shot and Gerald Lynn is standing there with her and it just it reminded me so much of Charlie and Cooper because it's just it's the older sister standing there and it's like yeah that's my vaccine (laughs) (laughs) go ahead give my little sister a shot (laughs) but uh but it's great because there's a little sister getting the vaccine from that was made from her older sister's case of mumps that's crazy uh so anyway, Hilleman really should be remembered as this hero of vaccines. He made so many different vaccines beyond the ones we we're just talking about on this episode. Um, part of what really I think 
hurt him personally and and maybe why I saw in one I saw one person assert maybe this is why I didn't get a Nobel Prize. I don't really I don't know that. I don't know the politics of that or the timing or anything. But in 1998, as you've probably heard, Andrew Wakefield, who was a British medical researcher, uh, published a paper in The Lancet that claimed that there is a link between the MMR vaccine, measles, mumps, rubella, MMR, specifically and autism. Uh, now, we know now that this study was completely bunk. It was wrong. He mishandled the data. He lied. I mean, let's let's not use let's not use scientific terms. Let's say what it let's say what it is. He lied. Mm -hmm. There is no link between the MMR vaccine and autism. There is no link between any vaccine and autism. He told a lie and it has been one of the most damaging lies in medical history. Uh, and as a result of that, um, towards the end of his his career and his life, Dr. Hilleman received death threats instead of thank yous for many parents because they had been lied to and misled and misinformed by Wakefield's completely, completely false data. And of course, Wakefield was later stripped of his license and the study was retracted. But but that's the problem is that the lie has has been so powerful that even though we're not tar and feather people anymore, can we not we, tar and feather. Him? We, we can't tar and feather him. I'm, I don't know what else you can Hold do. But but what's hard is I don't know what else we can do but say his study was false. It was a lie. It was it was a lie and we've retracted like the Lancet retracted it and said we shouldn't have published it. We're sorry. It was a lie. It was wrong. And his license is gone. So he has been reprimanded as formally as you can be reprimanded for telling lies. And yet still people will say this as if it's a fact, as if there is any there's no truth to it. There's no link there. It's all lies, lies based on lies, based on lies. Um, so that's the, that's unfortunately the, the, the bump in the road when you get to the history of specifically mumps and the MMR vaccine is instead of seeing this continued increased rate of vaccination with, in, with lower and lower cases and fewer and fewer people dying of measles and getting, you know, complications from mumps. What you see is that everything improves for a while and then you see vaccine rates start dropping and with it cases of these should be gone, should be ancient history diseases start recurring. And we have seen mumps outbreaks various places in the country. They're not often as highly publicized as the measles cases because measles can be fatal. It will be fatal to some percentage of the population. I mean, I think that's the thing we need to say with with a disease like measles. Someone will die of it if they get it. No, most people won't, but someone will. And that someone matters just as much as all the people who didn't. And with mumps, while most people won't get these horrific complications, someone will. That's the way statistics work. Someone will if enough people get this. So. Instead, what I would recommend, what the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, recommend, get two doses of the MMR, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. The first dose is somewhere between 12 and 15 months. So that's the one that our daughter Cooper just got. 
And the second dose is somewhere between four and six years of age. You have to get it before you enter school. And that's the one that our daughter Charlie just got. Uh, There's some thought that maybe immunity does wane with age. And so, you know, in certain like I, for instance, before I started medical school, I had to have titers drawn. They actually checked my blood to see if I had enough antibodies in my body to protect me against measles, mumps and rubella. And I did. So I was good. Congratulations. No need to brag. I was good. But uh, but that's been a while. It's been a while ago. Um, That's not something, unfortunately, that's not something you can do routinely just because of expense. I mean, it's just a blood draw. It's not like a risky test to do, but that's kind of expensive to go do just to see if you need another MMR vaccine. Um, If it if it is clear that it's going to become necessary, you'll see recommendations come out for a booster. That's what happened with the uh, whooping cough booster, right? Mm -hmm. We used to just get tetanus boosters as adults. And now we recommend that you get a tetanus and a pertussis booster as an adult. And that's because we realized that immunity waned as we got older. And so if, if that becomes necessary, you'll get that recommendation. And the important thing for you as the patient is that then your insurance will cover it. Right. Mm. Unfortunately, that's the thing we have to think about. Yeah. Uh, the MMR vaccine is incredibly safe. It's incredibly effective. The mumps component is about 88% effective when you get both doses uh, the first dose is 78%, but that's why we get the booster to bump you up to 88% by the second dose. And um, and I know that's not 100, but... What is? But what nothing is. Um, better than getting the mumps. Um, mumps used to be, like I said, my parents both... My dad definitely got it. My mom may have gotten it. Uh, mumps used to be something that everybody gets. Um, but there has been a 99% decrease in mumps cases in the United States since the vaccine was introduced. This is how effective, because even if you're even if you're part of that percent that the mumps vaccine doesn't you don't get complete coverage, you're not completely immune. If everyone around you is immune, that's herd immunity. You won't get mumps. Folks, if you hear people continuing to propagate this nonsense that vaccines are not safe and effective, I think we have to call it out. Like, I don't think that you can let that roll off our backs anymore. 2019, folks, sawbones, no quarter. We're not we're not leaving room for any wiggle room anymore. There's no room to respect people's differing beliefs. There's no room for it. Can't do it. Not for this. Like I'm so, I'm sorry. I think that we, if you are somebody that is right minded and believes in science, and that you you don't need to believe in science because yeah, you don't it's have just this science. is not a belief. If you understand, and it's not pro vaccine anti vax even. I don't think it's like real and fake. And like, I think I think if you see, um, I know uh, I was. Uh, my sister was telling me about a YouTube series that was giving you like it's a pro con kind of thing. And they were giving you like both sides of the vaccine thing um, was a, a recent episode they did that in my mind, they're damaging too. there is no other side. Vaccines are safe and effective. That's science. That's fact. That's the truth. That's it. There are people who will lie and say other things. Right. There's flat earthers. Right. And that's where I would put people who are anti-vax or in the same category as flat earthers. They're lying. They're telling lies. I don't know if they all know they're telling lies. Some of them may be, may not have malicious intent, may just be misinformed, but that doesn't change the fact that those are lies and they are lies that will kill people. People will die because of these lies. End End of story. And they need to be called out. There isn't another side to this issue. Right. There's the truth. And there are people who are lying. 
And uh, if anybody tells you that there is a link between vaccines and autism, don't say, well, I believe. No, you know, tell them they're wrong. Tell them they're lying and tell them that also, even if that were the truth, which it's not. But even if it were the truth, what are what again, I would still give my kids vaccines. Because that's fine if they have autism, it's not OK if they die of measles. What are you saying to autistic people? That's a horrible, horrible thing. It's and a again, horrible it still lie. doesn't. I don't even like indulging that line of reason. Like it, it's, it's true. Still, it's true. But it's like it doesn't matter. It's not. It doesn't matter. Like it's, a, it's not. It's irrelevant. I know, but it's it still. It's still nor like as if as if being neurotypical is the most important thing on earth if as if that's the end all be all being good at sports is the most (laughs) thing on earth and second to being physically extremely extremely attractive and then the third thing no no but Uh, again there is no link between vaccines and autism the mmr or otherwise there is no link is no link it was a lie it was a lie any any goofball biohackers that that try to say otherwise on twitter please let them know that they are incorrect they are lying they and are those incorrect. lies will harm it's people. just kind of just complain about that cat for a second that ben whatever i don't even remember the cat's full name ben something it was talking about how i would i would encourage you to educate yourself about vaccines the same way i did by watching these two anti-vax documentaries and reading these two anti-vax books okay what are you like that's not education. That's like you're you're not getting both sides. There's not both sides. And even if there no. were, you're only getting the one dumb side. That it, doesn't make any sense. It is wrong and it lies. It, it, I really think that's an important thing to remember. Not everything has two sides. There's Hugh Jackman. And that's it. <laughs> no, there are lots of things. The truth to do. doesn't have two sides. No, the, there's the truth. And that's it, especially now. Especially now in the United States of America, it's important to remember that there is that there is the truth and it is knowable and we can defend it and we don't have to give equal time to lies. There are opinions and there are beliefs. This is not one of them. Now, the Chuck E. Cheese thing, putting the pizza slices back together. I don't know about that. Jerry's still out on that. <laughs> Uh, folks, thank you so much for listening to our program. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. We sorry we got a little bit preachy at the end there. That's how we do it here on Sawbones. But we're going to try to talk about vaccines at least once a year. Just <laughs> bump it back up. This is your booster shot for vaccine awareness. No, I, we, we still haven't done an episode on rubella. So Cuts coming in 2020. No, I wasn't going to wait that long. But. Uh, well, OK, you're going to run out of the vaccine related topics to talk about. Oh, I'll never run out of vaccine-related topics. You don't know me. We're part of the Maximum Fun Network. You can find them at MaximumFun.org. Thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank you to you for listening. We sure appreciate you. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, if you get a chance, please uh, share this episode around. Say it's extremely important because people are dying of measles and mumps. And Well, they're not dying of mumps, but they're, it's not great to get mumps i will say that no um and uh uh please share this episode uh or any of our episodes reviewed on itunes if you can that's actually a really big help and subscribe and ask others to subscribe and all that good stuff but uh until uh next week when you we join you again my name is justin mcelroy i'm sydney mcelroy as always don't drill a hole in your head
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.